everybody. I'm excited to speak to you today because God willing and all things being well, this will be the last time that I preach in an empty room down the barrel of a camera to you because, as I say, God willing, we will be meeting next Sunday, the 20th of December, in the flesh at church. Praise the Lord. So please do be praying for your parish council as they do a whole lot of work to prepare for that eventuality. It's not something that we had expected. Frankly, we were thinking that probably sometime in January would be the first time we can get together, but God has been gracious and we're now preparing to meet back together on Sunday the 20th. So keep your eye out in your email and on Facebook for updates as they come to hand as we plan for that great day when we'll be able to come back together in the flesh. We're continuing today our series in Advent. During this series, we're looking at the four great themes of Advent, that of hope and peace and joy and love. And today we're looking at the theme of peace and how the the advents of Jesus, his first coming and his second coming, help cultivate and produce peace in our daily experience. Now, I, I don't know about you, but if if I was to play a word association game with you and I was to say the word Christmas and you were to give me the first word that came to mind, I doubt very, very much whether the first word would be peace, right? I don't, I'm not even sure it would be on the top 10 list of things that come to mind when you hear the word Christmas because at least for me, my experience of Christmas is not that of peace at all. My experience of Christmas is of busyness and stress and hurry. In fact, I, I took a photo on a, a walk I was on this morning. I saw um, a, in the, a shop window this sticker. <laughs> hurry, hurry, exclamation mark. Christmas is coming. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> we're meant to think of Christmas like the cops that are coming as we rob a bank. In fact, most of us, that's how we do our shopping. It's like a bank robbery. It's just like, all right, maximum fear, minimum time. All right, and, and that's how we spend Advent, if not earlier than Advent, all the way up to Christmas, just rushing, hurrying, stressing. And so peace is not something that really we associate with Christmas at all, unless unless you're like my wife, Renee. And I know these people exist. I live with one, but I, they've got to be rare. But people who actually really enjoy Christmas time, like they spend Advent just going from one experience of enjoyment to the next. For Renee, I mean, she she starts preparing and kind of shaping up for Christmas at about like mid-April, maybe, sometime around mid-April. Uh, she's getting ready to, to do Christmas and um, I couldn't do it. I just get too stressed out by Christmas. Uh, it just gives me anxiety thinking about Christmas being around the corner. But for some people like her, they just love it. I'll show you a picture of what Renee has been up to for I don't know how long now, but she has been wrapping gifts. And she this is something that's like therapy for her. She just loves wrapping gifts, which is great for us because I can't do it. 
I don't I don't just mean I'm not very good at it. I mean I'm incapable of wrapping a gift uh, where it doesn't end up looking like some kind of roadkill accident, you know. And but for her, this is just a beautiful time of year to enjoy. And I know some of you might be like that, but I think for most of us, we we experience Christmas as a generally stressful time that we look forward to putting in the rear view mirror right we the, the reason boxing day is so good is because it's the first time we can breathe for about a month and put our feet up and relax now all of this poses a problem for us because as i said one of the great themes of advent is peace and one of the great biblical themes around the advents of jesus is that of peace and so i want to look at those two advents now the first advent in jesus coming to earth being born of mary and then his second advent that which is yet to come his second coming where he's going to come and make all things new renew all things in his new creation So first of all, the first advent. I want to read to you another account of the first advent. This is Luke's account. And I want to read you from chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Saviour was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So according to the heavenly host, the first advent means peace. It means peace on earth. Another passage that speaks of the first advent and the peace that it brings to us was actually written 700 years before the event. And this was written by the prophet Isaiah. In chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
eternal father, prince of peace. Now, the context in which that was written was uh, Isaiah writing to the southern kingdom of Judah, the people of God there, and they in that time were in great turmoil, political turmoil. They were very much fearing the Assyrian Empire, this great superpower that was just going along and just hoovering up nations before it and dominating the world at the time. And into that context of fear, uh, in a situation where Judah knows that he is powerless, the nation is is very cognizant of the fact that they are small and defenseless. They were afraid of these rulers coming from the north and their enemies only seem to grow in strength and power and, and threat. And into that context, Isaiah speaks these words that God is for them and he is going to send them a ruler who is characterized by those names. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. Now, this was a prophecy, not of an earthly ruler who would come in that age, but one that would come in the future and one who was delivered to us in the first advent. That is, Jesus himself was going to be this this prince of peace. And so the first advent shows us that, again, as we saw last week with hope in God's plans and promises which can't be thwarted, he delivers this great promise of peace. And as much as it might be tempting for us, and I feel this temptation myself, to look to the second advent for ultimate peace, that is, it'll only be really when God makes the world again and and makes it as he first intended that we will experience total peace. And so we look, we kind of put all of our our peace eggs in that basket, we, we do that actually in contradiction to what we're told in Scripture because we're told here in the first advent that in Jesus' first coming, he would bring peace on earth. It was announced by the angels, it was prophesied by Isaiah, and it was said by Jesus himself in very certain terms. So in in John's Gospel, first of all, in chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Like now, in the present, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. He doesn't give peace as the world gives, which is tenuous and based on shifting circumstances, which might be here today and gone tomorrow. No, he gives us peace with the full power of God at his disposal to deliver on his promises. That's the kind of peace that he gives. And again, he says in chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. That is that Jesus understands and is under no illusions that in this world we will face troubling times. We'll face suffering and persecution, yes, but his peace has been given to us and again has been secured for us by the sovereign hand of God. That's why he says, I have conquered the world. I have overcome anything that can come against this peace that I leave with you. So in the first advent, we have these promised assurances of 
peace, peace not just in the future, but in the here and now brought about by Jesus coming into human history, by inaugurating his kingdom of peace, and as he rules it as the Prince of Peace. Now, what about the second advent? Remember, during this advent season, we not, don't just remember the advent, the, the first advent where Jesus was born, but we look ahead into the future, to his second coming, his second advent. A couple of passages that, speak, passages that speak about the peace that we can have on account of the second coming of Jesus. First of all, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4 and verse 15 says this. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. The second coming of Jesus encourages us and helps manifest peace in our experience by reminding us that we have union with Christ. You died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is, we have union with Christ, a union which cannot be separated, a union which is guaranteed by his life, death, burial and resurrection, not least his second coming the second advent, so that when he appears, Paul says to the Colossians, then you also will appear with him. That is, that peace, that promised peace which is yet to come has been secured for you. It's anchored in the power of God himself. And so he says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. What is it that's ruling your heart right now? Is it stress about this Christmas period? Then be reassured. Paul calls us to something greater than that. He calls us to allow the peace of Christ to rule our hearts. That's a peace that is promised to us, not only in the first, but in the second coming of Jesus. And again, Paul writing to the Romans in chapter 12 Romans chapter 12, verse 18 to 19. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. So this is peace, peace that we can have in light of the coming judgment of God. Again, something that will happen at the second advent, that God himself is going to do justice on the earth. And so that as we live in this now and not yet reality, as we live in the midst of injustice, as we try to cope with things not being the way that they should be, the way that they should be in light of God's intention for this world, then we can still live at peace. As far as it depends on us, we can live at peace because we know that in his second advent, Jesus is going to do justice on the earth. He is going to not only make all things right, 
but call all things to account. And so we have in the first and the second advent this great promise of peace. I like the way that Matthew Henry puts it. When speaking of Jesus' second coming, he says, As the Prince of Peace, Jesus reconciles us to God. He is the giver of peace in the heart and conscience. And when his kingdom is fully established, men shall learn war no more. That's the great promise we have of peace in the second advent of Jesus. Now, I love what that Romans 12 passage says about as far as it depending on us, that we should live at peace with everyone. And that's really the kind of attitude I want us to have as we think now about how do we bring the first and the second advent of Jesus into our present experience and let those two advents shape and shed light on the here and now. As we seek to live in God's kingdom in the now and not yet, how can we cultivate peace in our daily lives, as far as it depends on us, how on, how might we live at peace? And I've got three ideas again, uh, and I would encourage you to share more. I'm sure you've got tons of ideas how you can go about cultivating peace, not only as individuals, families, households, but as our church community. How we can uh, be exemplars of peaceful living in the midst of a noisy, busy, stressful world. So here are my ideas. I encourage you to discuss some more after the sermon. Number one, start a daily household ritual in which you slow down and consider the great Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, some of us will prickle at the idea of starting a ritual. That sounds a little bit like, you know, the kind of religion that we're not into, but Having a, a daily ritual is just a way of, um, of carving out a kind of sacred space in which you can better prepare to live in God's kingdom. A ritual is just a way of instituting a habit which will help shape the way that you think and act. And so I say, start a daily household ritual in which you slow down. So this is important because we're so busy, we're so rushed, everything's so stressful. We need to slow down, switch off devices, switch off screens, slow down and consider, that is reflect on the great Advent themes of hope, peace, joy and love. We're doing this in our household at the moment. And like every good thing that happens in our house, it was Renee's idea. She put together this thing that we've been doing for a a few years now. And this is where we, as a, a family of four, stop each evening before we get into bed routine. And we grab the the advent calendar and we've got one where there's little drawers, little wooden drawers for each day of advent. And each one of, in each one of those drawers, Renee has put a couple of things ahead of time. So uh, one of the things she puts in there is a little piece of paper with some names written on it, uh, names of people that we as a family can pray for that day. And then there might be a little treat for the kids, um, or there might be a, a, an activity or a, a work of service that we can do for others. 
And so in this kind of half hour period that we have each day, where we are forced to, or we're given the opportunity to slow down, disconnect from the, the busyness, focus on those great Advent themes of hope and peace and joy and love, spend some time communing with God and interceding for others, enjoy a treat or, or some kind of way of, of, of making the whole thing special and, and, and maybe planning to engage in an activity that will bring hope and peace and joy and love to someone else. I encourage you to do that. Don't think, well, we didn't do it this Advent, but we'll do it next time. Do it now. And this is what I said the other night. Why don't we just keep doing this? Why does this have to be an Advent thing? Why, why couldn't we just do this throughout the year? Maybe you don't want to do it every day. Maybe you do it uh, on every weekend or whatever it is. But institute those habits now. Get into the, the swing of the, those rituals now, particularly if you have little kids because you're shaping them for the rest of their lives. But even if you're an old saint and this is something you've never considered to do, let me encourage you, just do it. Give it a shot. And I believe God will use it to help cultivate peace as you consider his first and second coming. So that's number one. The second one is try giving experience gifts rather than material ones to remind yourself and your loved ones that material things can't satisfy our need for peace. This is something, again, we've been doing a lot more of as a family rather than buying a whole bunch of stuff and uh, we've still got to buy enough stuff to satisfy Renee's wrapping. Um, uh, it's not an addiction. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, to satisfy her need to wrap. Um, but, but we give a lot of things away just as experiences. So these are experiences that you can, you can, you, you can plan ahead of time. Give it to a loved one. Say, you know, on the 25th of February, we're going to have you around for the day. We're going to eat together and play together and make this a, a, great, or a great experience. You could do it planning to have a picnic somewhere, you know, going away for a holiday, whatever it is. It doesn't need to be huge, but just the focus is on this is going to be an experience of love that we can share together rather than here's another thing that I know you don't need. And this is important. I think this is an, another practice we can get into to undo some of the stuff that has clouded our vision when it comes to Advent, when it comes to Christmas. Because, you know, the machine of marketing at the moment is just running, redlining 24-7, trying to get us to believe that buying stuff at Christmas is going to bring us peace. That the secret to having a good Christmas is getting the right stuff, buying, 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 right, consuming. And we know that's a lie. I think all of us, inside and outside of the church, we know that that's a promise that cannot be delivered. And yet we fall into it and we, we, we fall for it over and over and over again. This is a way of, a small way of trying to work against that. So that's number two. Number three. During Advent, take a day as a family to serve someone in your local community to remind yourself that Christmas and the Christian life is all about serving others. So I'm talking about one day, and you can just 
go with it from there and multiply as much as you like but at least one day where we say as a household you with your roommates or 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 us as a family we are going to take this day we're not going to do any shopping we're not going to do any stressing we're just going to serve somebody and you could do it by serving a local charitable organization most charitable organizations are looking for help at christmas it's a busy time for them they're they're short staffed they need help by all means get involved with that there are people in our church community who could easily connect you with 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 people who are serving others in that way it could just be Uh, and this would be a profound act of love, it could be calling up someone from the Red Door community who you know is living alone uh, or has spent most of the lockdown period alone or is disconnected from family, perhaps family lives overseas or, or, or perhaps someone who has been bereaved in the last year. People who you can bless by inviting them in, inviting them into your home. Call them up and say, hey, we, we, we'd love to have you around for an Advent meal. We're going to focus on the themes of hope and peace and joy and love. We'd love you to join us as we do that. Something small like that can have a huge effect on somebody else's life and help shape their whole Advent around the great themes that we've been discussing in this series. So let me encourage you to take up the challenge to get involved in those three things. Please do uh, discuss, uh, discuss your own ideas after the sermon. I'd love to leave us now with a word of blessing and a word of peace. And so I'd like to do that by reading for you Philippians chapter 4, and this is verse 5 to, five to 7. Just receive it now as a word of blessing from God. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks, everyone. I look forward to seeing you, like actually seeing you next Sunday, 20th. Until then, love you guys.